Good evening, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to tonight's service. My name is Rich. I'm part of the pastoral team here at North Central, and it's a blessing to have you here, those of you that are here in person with us and those of you who are with us tonight online. So I think about Good Friday service a few weeks ago, my wife and I were blessed to be in Florida, and we were staying in the Clearwater area, and the last couple of nights we were in a place that we don't normally go. And so I love to get out and walk in the morning, and in Florida I like to get out before it's too late because it gets hot in Florida, unlike upstate New York this time of year, you never know. And so I got out for a walk, and I was looking for this location because we were in this different spot, and I found this place online. And I drove to it. It looked like a great walking park and a great walking area, and I got there, and the parking lot was all under construction. There was no place to park. So I'm in a pretty busy area, so I'm looking for a place to go, and I find a softball park a little distance away. I park there and I see this pedestrian bridge that goes over the six-lane highway to get to the main area for walking. I go over the bridge, I start to walk, and I'm going and I'm doing my couple miles, and I get out a couple miles and I said, okay, time to turn around to get back for your four miles. And as I walk back, like most men, I didn't check my maps, I didn't look at my smartphone, I didn't ask anyone, I just kept walking. And I got to a point where I went, you know, I've been out here a long time. And I looked down and I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I've been out over five miles and I don't see that bridge. And I said, well, maybe now it would be a smart thing to actually pull out your smartphone and and do a little search for where is this softball park. And I find it and I start walking back. And as I went, I finally came around these couple corners and I went through an area that was a little sketchy. I was getting a little bit nervous, like, "Uh uh-oh, where am I? What are you doing here, Parisi? And I finally come around this corner and I see this big white cross. And by the big white cross is a sign, Calvary Church. And I was like, thank you, Jesus, for two things. First, to be honest, I was a little selfish. I was like, thank you, because I remember seeing that when I was driving around, and I knew it was near the softball park. So I was like, I'm going to get back to my car. But secondly, I began to praise the Lord for what he did on the cross for each and every one of us. And as I looked at the cross, my second thought was something I read and listened to some years ago from Max Lucado. When he talked about the cross and he said, here is this instrument, this tool of torture that God turned around and turned into a tool of hope. And you look at the outstretched beam going horizontally and you think of God's love reaching out to us. And we think of the vertical beam going up and the holiness of God reaching up to heaven. And I was so blessed and so thankful as I just reflected on what Christ did for us on the cross on Good Friday. And my challenge to you tonight, whether you're here or whether you're online, something that my good friend Gary Grabowski often challenges our fight club with. He said, put yourself back in the position of those people when you were there then, not with all that you know now. So my challenge tonight is don't put it on autopilot. Don't just say, well, I've heard this story so many times. I know all about Good Friday. I know what happens on Sunday. They didn't know that on Good Friday. So my challenge to you tonight is to think of yourself as being a follower of Jesus and suddenly seeing this great hope you have there on the cross dying. So as you listen tonight, as you pray tonight, as we sing tonight, as we engage in communion tonight, reflect upon the beauty, the wonderful nature of our Lord, what he did for you with open eyes, open ears, and an open heart so that God can continue to draw us closer to him. Thanks again for being here tonight. Feel free to stay seated tonight as we sing.
his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flowed mingled down. Bitter such love and sorrow meet. To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He, led, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. 
but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. That's the word of the Lord. But I will 
Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Why should I pay from His reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my songs like that, that um, just set our hearts, right? That just remind us of all that Christ has done and all that he's accomplished. And, um, you know, not only songs that remind us of that, but um, great poetry, which we'll hear a little bit later tonight, and also great artwork, Um I just want to make mention of the art that's next to me here. It's more than just the moon tonight. Uh, sort of in juxtaposition to the sunrise, of course, on, on Easter morning. But um, more than that, I think art many times can be a beautiful metaphor for life. And uh, I think if we... I'm sure, actually, you've probably seen this art. It's the same art that hangs out in the in the foyer there. And I just wanted to draw special attention to it tonight. Because I think if we were to make statements about that uh, set of artwork, um, like, it's not, uh, it's not very pretty. You know? It's, uh, it's a little chaotic. Uh, boy, it's, you know... It's kind of messy, like there's like some drips happening over there. Uh, you know, it's not particular. I wouldn't call this beautiful art, but uh, boy, is it boy, is it meaningful? Because if we think of it as a metaphor for our lives, it reminds me of myself. You know, it reminds me of. Us. It reminds me of humanity. It's not. It's not right. You know. It's not quite what it's supposed to be. It's almost like the artists when they were working on it, it didn't quite come out maybe the way that they wanted. I mean, that's not true, but that might be our perception of it. And uh, boy, I think that's a lot like us in a lot of ways. And I just, I just want to draw attention to that because, guys, that's why Jesus came. That's why he came. That's why he died. How deep the Father's love for us, right? How deep the Father's love for us. That he would love a wretch like me, an unbeautiful person, a sinful person. That he would give his perfect life in my place, and uh, boy, that's, that's, that's meaningful. That's just meaningful stuff, and I hope it is for you. Um, Jesus, um, when he was on the cross, he quoted Psalm 22, and he said, um, my God, my God, you're familiar with this, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And um, I want to read the rest of that psalm. It starts with that phrase, but I want to I want to go on a little further. And you can very much hear Jesus had he had the strength 
right, continuing this psalm. Here's what it says. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And remember, this was written a thousand years before by Jesus's uh, kingly lineage, right? King David. Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. You can picture Jesus in the garden here. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you're holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. But I'm a worm and not a man. I'm scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb and led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You've been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stay so far from me, for trouble is near and no one else can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they opened their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You've laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They've pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments. Among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Oh Lord, do not stay far away. You're my strength, come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword, spare my precious life from these dogs, snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among our assembled people. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him, honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. For he's not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He's not turned his back on them, but he's listened to their cries for help. I will praise you in the great assembly. I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. The poor will eat and be satisfied. All who seek the Lord will praise him. Their hearts will rejoice with everlasting joy. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. For royal power belongs to the Lord. He rules all the nations. Let the rich of the earth feast and worship. Bow before him all who are mortal, all whose lives will end in dust. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything 
he has done. In Psalms 22. Megan and I are going to sing a very similar psalm. This is Psalm 42. sorrows deep I call when my hope is shaken torn and ruined from the fall hear my desperation for so long I've bled and prayed God come to my rescue even so the thorn remains still my heart will praise you storms within my troubled soul questions without answer on my faith these billows roll god be now my shelter why are you cast down my soul hope in him who saves you when the fires have all grown cold cause this heart to praise you and oh my soul put your hope in god my help my rock i will praise him sing oh sing through the raging storm you're still my god my salvation Should my life be torn from me, every worldly pleasure, when all I possess is grief, God be then my treasure, be my vision in the night, be my hope and refuge. Till my faith is turned to sight, Lord, my heart will praise you. And oh, my soul, put your hope in God, my help, my rock, I will praise him. Sing, oh, sing through the storm you're still my god my salvation oh my soul put your hope in god my help my rock i will praise him sing oh sing through the raging storm you're still my God, my salvation.
broke in and took it all. Took the song from the springtime and the dance from the flame. Took the noonday warmth and the morning hush. Now the ground's spilling beneath me. The ropes are uncoiling. The trees are leafless. The sky is torn. My breath's a broken feather. There's no beauty left. There's nothing here for me. I'm paper thin. I'm in a room of shadows and it's caving in. I'm turning in circles. I'm giving up. The world is giddy. The sense is gone. The floor is an ocean. I'm sinking in. Where are you now? Where is your touch? Where is the reason, the answer, the end? Now I'm chasing your shadow and I'm grasping for questions. I'm calling out. I'm asking why. Yet when I turn, you turn. When I reach, you reach. And in the searing burn, you wait for me. Dress my tears in kisses, cradle my grief, touch me in the silence, hold me in the heat. And when the ragings rush, drown me in defeat, I make my bed of dust, and you lie with me. My favorite books and my favorite movies and my favorite songs are the ones that I don't fully absorb the first time I watch it or the first time I listen to it. You think of some of your favorite musicians and some of your favorite um, movies, and let me guess, some of your favorites are the ones you had to go back and see again or watch over again and watch over again, and every time you do, what happens? You start to get a little bit more understanding of the story. You start to feel a little bit more of the impact. You start to get a little bit more of the insight. And I am so relieved that that is exactly what it's like when you start to embrace and learn about the gospel. It's exactly what it's like when you start to um, submit yourself to the Christian faith. It is simple enough for a child to absorb initially, and yet it's deep enough for scholars to study for their entire life and still not fully understand. And one of the things that's hard to understand is this question, why in the world would a faith who has a hero that is executed call that particular day of the week good? I'm assuming some of you have wondered that over the course of your lifetime. Aren't there better words to use for a execution Friday than Good Friday? Couldn't it be didn't turn out how we planned Friday? Um, so why do Christians call Good Friday Good Friday? Well, if you ask Billy Joel... Billy Joel might say something that he has said in the past. And what he said in the past is dismissive. He said, I wasn't a Catholic, but I used to attend Mass with my friends. And he said that um, he really found the whole business just a very enthralling bunch of hocus-pocus. And he explained it this way. He said, there's a guy who's nailed to a cross uh, there's a lot of dripping blood. Everybody's blaming themselves for his death. And I said to myself, this is Billy Joel, not me. I said to myself, I'm not about this. I don't necessarily 
embrace that it's my fault for this man's torment. He went on to say, I have no hand in that evil. I don't accept that I have original sin. And there's no blood of any sacred martyr on my hands. I'll pass on all of this, is what he said. Wrote some great songs, he's going to pass on our faith. In contrast to that, the Apostle Paul said, may I forever and only boast about the crucified Savior. The Apostle Paul said, that's all I'm about. In fact, I came to preach and all I came with was Christ crucified. The Apostle Paul said that the only thing I boast in is the cross of Jesus. And the word boast, this is important, the word boast means to glory in, to trust in, to hope in, to rejoice in, to revel in, and to live for. That's what Paul said. Billy Joel says, it's not on me. I'm not having it. Apostle Paul says, it's all I'm about. It's a pretty vivid contrast. Powerful, contrasting statements about Jesus on the cross. One person calls it evil. Another one says, oh, it's sacred. Another person says that um, I want nothing to do with the cross. And the other person says, I want nothing to do with anything else but the cross. One person sees it as senseless cruelty. Another person sees it as life-saving love. Vivid, vivid contrast. And many people... Will, t- will say, they will say, I have a relationship with God and I know Jesus. Maybe they'll say, I have a relationship with Jesus. But they reject the notion that there was a violent death of their Savior. That there was a bloody execution of Jesus. And they will confidently rest in this relationship without accepting that there was a substitute for sin that occurred on the cross. And they may argue this. They may say something to this effect. They may say, my God, the one that I'm following, is too loving to do anything that violent and that bloody, especially, maybe you've heard this, maybe you've said this, especially to his own innocent son. I could not accept a God... Who, who's violent, I can only accept and follow a God who's loving. And that is certainly a common thread among very dignified and civilized Jesus followers. But there's a question. There's a question. The question remains, what did it cost that God to love you? What did it cost that God to express his love for you? What does it cost that kind of God to rescue you? The typical answer might be, well, I don't think it was necessary that it would cost a violent, bloody execution. Timothy Keller, a theologian and pastor, he answers it this way. He says, how ironic then that in our effort to make God more loving, we have made God less loving, just sentimental. A sentimental God, not necessarily a loving God. And what he means by that is that an actionless God is sentimental. An actionless love is just sentimental. If you're following the, the, the story that's happening in Ukraine, uh, I've been following on Twitter, and I've noticed that there is a, there is just a, been, an, as you can imagine, an overwhelming wave of support for the people of Ukraine. And some people are expressing their support by saying things like, and this is kind of emerging as uh, a phrase that really is, uh, tends to be irritating more and more people, but... Some of the Ukraine supporters are expressing that they love them and they're with them and they're saying thoughts and prayers are with you. And some of the response to that is pretty hostile. It's pretty sharp. And there's some resistance there. And 
really what's behind it is it isn't necessarily an expression of love to say, I love you, and then tweet thoughts and prayers. The person receiving the love is saying, that's it? That's your, that's your love? Timothy Keller would say, that's the expression of sentimental uh, affection that's being expressed. And in, if his love, in the end, has to take no action... If his love in the end is only thoughts and prayers to you humans who are really broken and um, dark and lost and wandering, if God just sends thoughts and prayers to us, it's safe to say that's something different from love that's sentimental affection or sentimental expression. And the worship of a God like that is just intellectualism, It's informational and uh, maybe even impersonal. There will be no joyous self-abandonment for a God who expresses sentiment with an actionless love. There's no joyful submission. There's no joyful self-abandonment. There won't certainly be any humble boldness. And no doubt there wouldn't be any sustaining sense of worship and awe and wonder of this kind of God. And certainly we would never sing to a God who sends us his thoughts and prayers with no action. We would never sing something like love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, and my all. To talk about God loving us independent, independent, to talk about God and and, and talk about the kind of God uh, that we serve and to talk about him separate from the self-sacrificing cross makes the love of God nothing but a mere sentimental expression. So, who cares about the difference? Who cares about the difference between a sentimental God and a loving God? Well, in the midst of misery, if you find yourself full of guilt suffering through a divorce, battling depression, carrying anxiety. You've been wiped out by grief and loss. You have a deep sense of rejection and betrayal and loneliness. If you are in despair, what does it matter if God loves me? Well, the Christian author Brennan Manning, he says that only sacrificial love can really truly move someone to change. Only sacrificial love can, can bring the kind of healing that, that someone needs who is in despair, in misery, battling the brokenness of their own life. It's only self-sacrificing love that can bring change to a heart. Power affects the behavior, right? You can, you're, if you're with someone who has power over you, they can affect your behavior But only love can affect the heart. And nothing on earth, nothing on this planet, nothing among the human race moves the human heart like suffering love. Let's call it, instead of sentimental love, let's call it suffer love. Suffer love is that which brings change in people's lives. It has the power to move someone's heart. It has the power to heal someone's heart. Also on Twitter, there is uh, some people who are expressing their love for Ukraine, but uh, they're doing more than sending thoughts and prayers. They've enlisted in their military. Have you heard about this? Some foreign fighters coming from other countries. There's one particularly popular Twitter follower who is a citizen of the UK who was all um, uh, agitated and irritating about what was happening in Ukraine and he left his country of the UK and he enlisted in the Ukrainian Marines and just recently tweeted out that uh, he had surrendered in, in Mariupol and was among the uh, Marines who had been taken captive facing torture and death. He was expressing suffer love. And you know who appreciated it? The Ukrainians. And he has received... Um, a pretty intense and warm reception from the Ukrainian citizens. Now, I love my country, 
but nothing tears me up quicker thinking about my country than coming across a veteran who is a Purple Heart wounded in action survivor of the war. And I realize I love my country, but I didn't sacrifice and suffer for my country, but other people have. And then I think to myself, now there's someone who loves their country. I love my parents, but I didn't realize how much they loved me until my wife and I went through the labor and delivery process. Well, let me put it another way. When my wife went through the labor and delivery process, then I realized how much suffering was put into bringing a newborn into the world, and I realized it's a different kind of love. It's, another, it's a whole nother level. And I also met someone recently who said, oh, I heard that you know this person. I said, I do. And they said, oh, they're a dear friend. I said, they're, they're one of my dear friends too. And they said, did they ever tell you the story? And I said, about what? And they said, about their um, organ donor. And I said, I knew they needed one and they got one. And, and, the, and the girl said to, her, said to me, that's me. I'm the donor. And then I realized, oh, you love your friend a lot more than I love your friend. And that love for her friend brought suffering and sacrifice to her. And listen, it changed her friend's life because of the suffer love that was expressed. Parents and grandparents change their kids' and grandchildren's lives because of the suffer love that goes on day after day after day, a series of thousands and thousands of moments where they suffer and sacrifice to express love. They suffer and sacrifice their own needs and wants. That's why... The perfect expression of life-changing love is the dying figure of Jesus on the cross, all alone, pleading for somebody to just moisten his burning lips as he self-sacrificially demonstrates life-changing love. But God showed his great love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and suffered his sacrificial death. And that's why when Billy Joel or others find the cross appalling, for the Christian, we cannot even imagine the God or the love of God without it. We cannot imagine receiving into our lives and devoting our, our whole lives to somebody who hasn't expressed suffer love. In fact, for a Christian, our hope, our joy, and our whole life, our whole life is rooted in that kind of love. When asked about this topic, you can also look up another famous musician. Some of you will recognize the name Bono. Let me put it another way. If you're over 40 years old, you'll recognize the name Bono. Bono said, I love the idea of the sacrificial lamb. I love this idea that God says, let's face it, you're not living, you're not living a very good life, are you? There are consequences to your actions. The point of the death of Jesus is that Jesus took on the sins of the world so that we put so that what we put out did not come back to us that our sinful nature does not reap obvious death and that's the point Bono says it should keep us humbled it's not our own good works that get us in through the gates of heaven Paul the Apostle writes to the Romans and he says, people are made right with God when they believe. They're made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. The sacrificial shedding of his own blood was the ultimate supreme example of a God whose love was so intense, he could only express it by the supreme self-sacrifice of his own son. 
And in so doing, he takes action. And that kind of action helps change hearts and lives and bring healing. And that is why Christians call this Execution Friday Good Friday. And we commemorate Jesus' death on the cross. You have some elements near you that I invite you to pick those up and begin the process of dismantling those elements as carefully as you can. Every month we remember this, I'll call it, self-sacrificing love. It is suffer love. We celebrate this and remember this suffer love so that we know our God in heaven isn't just whispering that he loves us. He paid the ultimate price. And on that night, when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. If you have saving faith, you've rested your trust in the work of Jesus, you've renounced and repented of trying to work your own way to heaven and, work your, and, and live for your own glory. Instead, you've turned and you said, nope, I am going to put my hope, faith, and trust in Jesus' work alone. Then we're celebrating that work together. Go ahead and receive that symbol this, um, together. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's receive that cup together. Thank you, Father, for the ultimate expression of love. Thank you for the suffer love that is life-changing. Thank you for taking our place and substituting you and your son in place of me, all of us, each of those who have repented and believed. We're grateful today, God, that you are active, you are stirring and alive in our spirit, and we pray today, God, that our eyes would be wide open, that tonight we would grasp just another layer, another level, another depth of our faith and our joy in the good news of the gospel. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.
Sunday.